This is a 980 CKNW podcast. You are live with the App Show. Mike Agarbo here with John Beeler. We've got a, a great program for you today. We're going to be talking about a music subscription service that not everyone is using. It's called SoundCloud. A lot of people are familiar with Apple Music, Google's uh, YouTube Music, uh, obviously uh, Spotify and all those. But uh, SoundCloud's been around for a number of years now, and they've got some fantastic songs and remixes up there of a lot of favorite songs that you like. Yeah, it's also a place where a lot of artists actually sort of uh, post their stuff before anywhere else. We'll be talking with uh, our good uh, friend Ted Kritsonos out of Toronto about that. Talking more about NFTs, uh, the non-fungible tokens. Uh, this is just lighting the world up right now. Uh, a lot of artists are uh, using these to authenticate their art and sell their digital art online. Well, a lot of big corporations are trying to get into it as well. Sports teams and leagues like the NBA. They've got uh, the NBA Top Shots. These are digital trading cards. Yeah. Moments. Yeah. yeah moments of you know your favorite slam dunk or big uh tip off or some other you know highlight reel worthy moment it's interesting like you know how much would you pay for an authenticated video of lebron james doing a dunk that the nba has put their stamp on like is it's a digital copy anyone could copy it and look at it but you have the original yeah i I think i think the selling point for NFTs in general, including top shops is the fact that you have that one and it will appreciate or depreciate in value. That's kind of the fun game of being an investor collector person. We've also got a great guest, uh, Rebecca Bolwitz. She is miss 604 and a digital content uh, producer talking about uh, Instagram reels. You've heard of TikTok. This is uh, another version that might be even uh, better for some folks out there we'll tell you what it's all about and how you can use it uh, properly let's get into some of the uh the mobile and app news uh john uh interesting <laughs> this is a link you sent to me because you think i'm gross uh, <laughs> i love my apple airpods these are the little wireless earbuds that i carry everywhere with me they just fit into the little holder they are almost always in your ear though yes and Sadly, after a while, they get gross. Yes. Because they're in your ear. There's earwax. Lint gets in into them, into the case. It, it's just a whole gross factory. And the other day, we had to actually shoot them. And I'm trying to clean them with a Q-tip and some alcohol. And it's just not going well. <laughs> that's why I sent you this link. And you're like, that's gross. And I'm like, yes. So uh, there's a Kickstarter right now for a washing machine for Apple AirPods. And I guess other wireless earbuds too any 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 small electronics you need to stick in your ear it's a company um, called card lax they've got a tiny washing machine for earbuds and it literally looks like a little washing machine yeah it's about 35 bucks us it's again it's a kickstarter they haven't really got this out in stores or online yet so they're they're trying to raise money to build this Uh, you know they've obviously got prototypes you can watch the video up uh, on kickstarter and it looks like it works it's um it's a little looks like a little mini washing machine yeah with a lid so you open up the lid and uh there's a little brush like that just kind of like an electric toothbrush almost at the top that you put the little earbuds you know what the part that goes in your ear that all the wax gets into and so you get it in there and those little bristles just get in and get all that 
gunk out. You also put 70% isopropyl alcohol in there. Yes. Which is safe for electronics. Yes. A lot of times that's how people clean their circuit boards and stuff like that. And it will actually wash away all that gross crud that's coming from your ear. Yeah. And so after you've done that, you throw them into the little <laughs> drum, the washing machine part, and you close the lid. And it just... Uh, I, I don't know what it's doing there, but it's just kind of circling around and kind of washing the outside of them. So it's not immersing them no. in like water or alcohol, but alcohol's involved yes. in tiny amounts. And as it's tumbling around, it's a controlled tumble, let's say. It's cleaning the entire outside of them. It, it's a neat idea for a problem I'm sure a lot of people have with their wireless earbuds. Yeah, and you know, they do get gross. I have a few different models and makes, not only the Apple ones, but they all have that problem. It just gets gross. And then you're afraid to put them down anywhere where there's people, right? Because then, you know, they're all crusty and... They're all judging you. Yeah, like, you're gross, Mike. (laughs) Like, what do you got in your ears? So, yeah, at first I was like, come on, this is stupid. But now, the more I'm reading about this and I've watched the video, again, it's Cardlax earbuds washer. My only concern is that it seems almost too cheap for what it is. Right? Yeah. Yeah. But I, again, a Kickstarter, typically they'll have a, a very attractive entry level price yeah. to help, you know, almost beta test the product. Yeah. And then when it actually does come to retail in the future or gets copied by everybody, <laughs> if it is a successful Kickstarter, um, it'll probably be more like along $50. So at first I mocked it. You did. But now I'm, I'm, I'm all in. i am because not only can i use this but you know the family could use this yeah as well yeah but then they would put their gross earbuds in my washing machine what what could take it to the next level is what if it had like a uv sanitizer led in there too yeah that's the deluxe version yeah (laughs) again uh card lax c-a-r-d-l-a-x earbuds washer it's a kickstarter so if you're interested you can Give them money and hopefully they make it. That's a challenge with some of the Kickstarter stuff though, right? Have you have you invested in, in many Kickstarters? None. I, I, I've invested in a lot. And? I've gotten probably about 80% of the ones I've invested in. That's not bad. No. I mean, and I try to be careful. Like I wouldn't put hundreds of dollars, but there was a 3D printer years ago from I think Saskatchewan. It was a resin printer for $100. 100 bucks. Yeah. And this is at a time, like, it was just a really, it was a clever design and uh, they just took forever to deliver. They never delivered. What happened, apparently, one of the business partners took all the money that they got from Kickstarter and he bought a house and a car and all this stuff and basically embezzled it from the Kickstarter and basically the whole thing imploded. Did you lose your money? I did. That's but, the downside. But it was $100 and that's kind of the risk of these crowd funding campaign things um cardlax for example they've actually this is their second kickstarter and the first one was successful so at least they have a track record yeah but you're it's almost like gambling with kickstarter sometimes you're not buying a product yeah you're you're buying the dream it was like that cooler remember that rolling cooler that had speakers and yeah all sorts of stuff they they could never deliver enough of them no, because it cost more than they were charging for it. So, it was, yeah. and that's that's the other problem too. Is a lot of times people come up with a great idea. Oh, we'll just kickstart it and we'll you know fund it that way. But then they actually get into the whole supply chain management, dealing with factories in Asia and all this kind of stuff, and it costs a lot more than you think. T 
TCL announced some new phones uh, this week. Uh, we'll be talking about those in an upcoming show, but they also uh, showed off a a new prototype of phone. So we've seen the foldable screen phones. Yes. Right? So Samsung and Huawei would have to be the leaders in that. The first generation of the Huawei one, uh, I, I call it an outside folding phone. Like there's a screen on each side of, of the phone when it was folded. And yeah. so you kind of unfold it and it turns into a tablet. Well, TCL's taking that to another level. So they've uh, got a prototype that they showed off. It's got, I think, a 6.8-inch screen on the front. And I guess that would be on the back as well. You unfold it. It turns into one of the biggest tablet folding phone tablets out there right now at 8 inches. But wait, there's more. You can then roll out the screen even further to turn it into a 10-inch tablet. Yeah, it's like a three-panel brochure almost. Like, isn't isn't you, that insane? It's 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 cool. I mean, we're getting closer and closer to my dream of the Westworld tablet. Yes, right, the one that all the characters in the in the TV show Westworld had, where they just fold it open and it just this magical giant display that's seamless. This isn't quite that, but it's really close. We've uh, talked a lot about music subscription services uh, on the show over the the past few months. You know, Apple Music. We've got Spotify. There's also uh, Google's YouTube Music uh, as well. But there's one that's uh, very popular that uh, people use, and it's called SoundCloud. We've got a good friend, Ted Kritsonis, on the line from Toronto to tell us all about it and why you might want to download and use it. Thanks for joining us, Ted. Appreciate having me. Ha- appreciate you having me on. Uh, so what makes this one different than the other subscription services uh, out there, Ted? Well, so SoundCloud, well, okay, I'm going to pull, like, sort of go back a little bit. Now, you mentioned YouTube Music, and at the time when we talked about that one, I had said that one of the advantages of that was that you had access to all the remixes and live music that was posted on YouTube because that's how that service worked. It also accessed the audio portions and video too of what was at whatever was on YouTube. Okay. Which was obviously a ton of stuff. SoundCloud is kind of in the same vein, but I look at it more like an indie, uh, like a, like an indie slash commercial kind of, uh, mixture. Um, and so what you've got is 150 million tracks. Okay. So there's a lot of music on here. And the reason why it's so high, because that number is much higher than the Spotify's and Apple music's of the world. And the reason is because there's just so much content that's on there that has been uploaded by users. So you've got a ton of remixes. You have a ton of, you know, sort of live or like acapella kind of, you know, content that people have posted covers. There's a lot of different stuff uh, on there. And so if you're looking for commercial stuff, you'll find it. But if you're looking for really interesting indie or, you know, unusual, um, or really cool remixes, you're very likely to find that on SoundCloud as well. I think it's a, a good... Of, sorry, John. Sorry, Mike. Uh, a lot of DJs that I follow uh, and just musicians in general, they post all of their raw tracks there for the community to then remix. And and quite often, that's where they will drop something sort of on the sly and people will figure it out because, oh, well, Aphex Twin just dropped something new on his SoundCloud and he didn't tell anybody about it. Correct. Yeah, it's a very good point, John. And, and it is. SoundCloud has been kind of a collaborative tool to, to some degree, I think, from the beginning. And DJs have been using it for a long time. So you'll find DJ sets for you know pretty much any kind of music you're looking for. You'll, you'll find something on there. And, and 
the the collaborative side because obviously there is kind of a social element to it not that i really dove into that when i when i looked into it but uh it is there so users can communicate with each other and i'm sure there's some feedback going back and forth creatively uh, but there, there's a lot going on with this. This is not your typical music streaming service. This is, to me, is a little different because of the nature of the content that's available. There's a lot of it, and a lot of it is 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 bespoke. Like it's just it's you know people coming up with their own stuff, people remixing you know popular music, people remixing indie music. There's there's all kinds of stuff going on there. So I, I'm sure people will be a little overwhelmed. Like if they've never seen it before, they'll be a little overwhelmed at first. But I have a feeling that people will like it, uh, especially if they have more of an open mind uh, musically. I'm, I'm going to use a word here to describe it uh, for me anyway. I've, I've been kind of getting into it more and more. It's exciting because, like you said, there are different uh, types of music up there. And there's tons of uh, the remixes and different covers of my favorite songs uh, as well. When I first started uh, using it, I was kind of using it accidentally. I, I have a Sonos music system in my house, and I just added it as one of the music services that uh, I could play from. And when I do searches for music, it would also go through SoundCloud libraries, and it would bring all those up as well. And, you know, it started bringing up all these different kind of weird and fun covers of my favorite songs. And I really started enjoying that. You just don't see that on, you know, Apple Music and Spotify. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. One thing that I really like as far as the, the sort of the social interaction goes with it, say you have a DJ set, someone doing like a one or two hour show, people can actually comment on a per minute basis along the timeline of that track. So they can say, Oh, I really want to know what, what, what song they're using at this point, you know, like a, like a track ID basically. And people can comment on it and say, Hey, well, that's so-and-so's remix of whatever. And so it becomes this interactive thing where the artist then also gets the feedback when they're really hitting their strides and doing something right. People can comment on that exact moment in the track. That's right. And actually, to your point, during when the COVID pandemic first started, there were DJs who, of course, could not perform. So what they were doing was they were going on SoundCloud and, and doing sets there. And in some cases, you had DJs that were doing sets against each other uh, as well. So you had these kind of interactive kind of, you know, I don't know whether they were battles, DJ battles, maybe. Backpacks. Um, you know, yeah. Like there, 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 were, there was a lot of that kind of stuff going on. SoundCloud had become you know, part of the pun, a sounding board um, and, and a venue, if you will, for for some of these artists to to perform and at least, you know, share what they were working on. And and I think that's that's really its foundation. Foundationally, that's really, I think, what SoundCloud is. It's not your typical music streamer. It's not just, you know, putting up albums and, you know, and tracks and artists and, you know, and creating radio stations. Like, that's not that's not really what SoundCloud is about. Uh, it has some of those things, but it's it's really more about discovering music you're not going to find anywhere else. We're talking all about SoundCloud. It's another type of uh, music subscription service uh, that you can use to listen to some really interesting and, and fun music. Is there a paid version of this as well, Ted? There is. There is. Now, uh, follow me, follow with me here because there is you know there's something I got to break down because there's okay the free version. Uh, is you can you can listen to SoundCloud for free. Some tracks will show up as 30 second previews, but you are not limited in how many tracks you can skip through. So if you've come across some kind of a playlist and you want to go through it, you can skip through that, no problem. 
Now, we go to SoundCloud Go. This is a paid service. It is a seven-day trial for that, and it costs $5 a month to go with after. It doesn't, it allows you to save music for offline playback, so you're not using data or Wi-Fi, uh, but it doesn't open up the entire library. So if you want the entire library, then you got to go to SoundCloud Go Plus. So that just basically removes all the, you know, all the limitations. It raises the, uh, qu the streaming quality uh, as well. So if you want to listen to a higher quality level, you can do that too. It costs $10 a month and removes all the restrictions. So again, you can save offline. There are no 30-second previews. Basically, every track that SoundCloud has is widely available, and you're good to go. If you want to find out more about SoundCloud, Ted has written an excellent review up on our website, getconnectedmedia.com. Thanks for joining us, Ted. Thanks for having me, guys. We've talked a lot about NFTs in our shows over the past uh, few weeks, and this is still a mystery to a lot of people as to how they work. NFTs stand for non-fungible tokens. It's a type of authentication or a digital authentication for digital artists, whether they make some type of video or uh, a graphic piece or even music, uh, and even trading cards for that matter now as well. And some artists are making a mint. Millions, in fact. Yeah, Beeple, a... Uh, an artist sold one of his pieces for $69 million? At Christie's Auction House. Amazing. Well, let's talk about trading cards now. The uh, The big sports leagues are getting all in on this. You know, obviously anything to make money. They've got a good, um, well, they've got the franchises. You know what I mean? They, they have the content. Uh, and to understand how this is all going to work from a sports perspective, we've got uh, our good friend Brian Jackson on the line from Infotech Research Group. Thanks for joining us, Brian. Hello, nice to be here. Well, you are a sports enthusiast, aren't you? I sure am, Mike. So we're going to talk today about NBA Top Shot. Explain to our listeners how this all works. Are, these are essentially, could I call them digital playing cards or trading cards? Yeah, I think that's a perfect way to explain it to somebody because it, it encapsulates exactly the concept. We're going through digital transformation in the sports collectibles market. And, uh, and it's even better than having like a cardboard square that you can trade with your friends because it's this beautiful video showing a sweet highlight of LeBron James dunking or uh, Damian Lillard hitting a three-pointer. So you get a little like seven-second video clip. You see it from different angles. It just replays over and over. You can watch them. You can uh, put them together into a collection. And uh, it's all digital. So right now it's through a web browser. But Dapper Labs, the company behind this, is, is planning a mobile app in the future, too. So we know that more ways to enjoy these moments, uh, that's what they call these digital collectibles, are moments, uh, more ways to enjoy them are coming soon. So I'm just trying to understand this better. So these moments, are they uh, a singular version of it? Obviously, you can make digital copies of anything, right? But this is supposed to be the authenticated original version do they have you know with um art they make prints are they doing the same type of thing with these that's exactly it you've talked about these nfts and people using that and really the uh utility behind the concept of these non-fungible tokens uh is that you create a digital scarcity right so what makes a collectible 
a collectible? Well, uh, it's limited. It might be uh, one of a kind. You might have 5,000 of a certain print of a card, maybe 10,000. The more rare, the better for collectibles. So how do you do that in the digital world? I mean, everything can just be copied over and over again, right? Uh, and that's why the only types of business models that we've seen around digital in, so far have been around free, all-you-can-eat access. But what NFTs do is they bring this aspect of digital scarcity where you can know the uh, there's only a certain number of that thing and you can know what specific uh, serial number that thing has. So I might have the LeBron James slam dunk, but it has a serial number. So I know it's like number 20 out of 10,000, for example. And also I can see everybody that's owned it before me. And one cool thing about Top Shot is that NBA players are now coming onto it, trading cards themselves, buying moments. So imagine owning a LeBron James moment that LeBron James himself once owned. That would be sort of neat. What are they going for? All sorts of different uh, numbers of, of money. I mean, just like in the uh, NBA, like if you were trading normal cards, right? You've got the big ticket items, the the highest value cards that have been sold so far have been like a LeBron James dunk for $210,000. And then there's been a Zion Williamson that sold for 100000 uh, so a few transactions, just a few, have been in that big uh, sort of six-digit area. Uh, most moments, <clears throat> we're talking about much lower than that. So people are selling cards for as low as like $6 or maybe $37. So uh, it's all over the map. Um, you can spend hundreds of dollars on a moment. You can sort of pick your tier of budget and uh, go out and collect moments in that category. I'm still struggling with it, Brian. Yeah. <laughs> I'm when they have that many copies that they're selling as well. Like, will this value hold? Like, we just don't know yet. It's kind of still a new phenomena, isn't it? I have no idea. Yeah, will will the value hold? I mean, uh, the value of some of these things has been crazy. Uh, th we're talking about a transaction uh, value of half a billion dollars that has been moved across NBA Top Shot so far, if you can believe it. And this thing has only existed since, uh, geez, when did it start? Maybe the start of 2020? Uh, so not that long, or actually it was a little bit before that. It, it started in 2019, but barely anybody has been using it so far. It's still in beta. Uh, so the feeling is that the market will grow for Top Shot. Um, whether the value of some of these cards is being driven by speculators uh, because of this NFT craze, I suspect that must be true for some of it, but it is really difficult to know about the long-term value. I suspect that it'll all be linked to the utility of the moments and what will the NBA and Top Shot do with its digital collectibles from here? What can you do with the digital collectible? So say for example, I bought that LeBron James dunk for $200,000. Can I then, what can I do with it? Yeah, other well, than watch for it right now, it's not much beyond. I own this thing. I can prove that I own it. I can watch the video. Uh, so it's not much utility yet, but there's some signs that more utility is coming. For example, there's a fantasy league called Swish, and you can uh, compose a team out of the moments you own. So it's almost like you're a bit of a general manager at this point now, right? You have to go onto the market and make decisions about 
is it worth it to buy that Damian Lillard three so that I can add it to my fantasy team? And then uh, you get points based on Damian Lillard's performance in that week's games. So there's also a mobile game that's coming out, we know, from Dapper Labs. How it works, uh, what the gameplay will look like, we don't know. They just said these moments will be involved in some sort of game that you can play on your mobile device. So more utility is coming. We're not sure what it'll look like exactly at this point. So, so Brian, if I say I'm, I'm shopping for one of these moments, do I get to see the thing in its entirety or is some of it hidden until I actually become the owner to make it a little bit more exclusive um, in, in that way? Like, I, I know that's one of the key things. That nope, a lot, a lot nothing of- is hidden. You can see everything about the moment. You can see who's owned the complete provenance of it. In fact, it's like an open API. So uh, other third party tools can be used to analyze the market and tell you everything about um, not only the moments, but the different trading accounts on the platform. You guys could go and see the value of my account if you wanted to. Um, and uh, you can see the collections. You can see who bought what and when. Uh, it's all on the blockchain. And the spirit of blockchain is that everything is transparent. And that's why you can trust it. And I think that's really the key point, though, is that blockchain is sort of the keeper of the provenance. Uh, you watch Pawn Stars and they bring in stuff all the time. And they typically, if it's something of value, you have, they have to prove the provenance. And that can be very difficult. It's with, hard. With older stuff, yeah. right? This is all on the internet. And like Brian said, anybody can look at it. Um, but I think it really boils down to people that want to collect these things and enjoy them as a collector as opposed to somebody that would just buy a bunch of trading cards, for example. So I want to throw this out here. Pretend I'm making a a TV show and I want to use that slam dunk clip in it. Can I do that? Or can I sell sell that clip to someone? That's a question you would have to ask the NBA, right? So this is not about copyright. Uh, you're not you don't own the copyright for that video clip. I mean, the NBA owns it still, and he chose to attach it to that NFT. You own a digital collectible that happens to make use of that copyright uh, in that moment. So it doesn't give you permission to go reuse that in your own works to make money or anything like that. This is just about that thing, you owning it. Uh, so just like imagine you bought a CD of music, right? You can't then take the music on there and compose Uh, use it to compose your own music necessarily. So it's not about uh, the copyright. It's about the thing, the collectible, the item. I still think it's insane. (laughs) I, I'm, I'm a little skeptical. I've, I've seen, you know, we've talked about blockchain, blockchain technologies, uh, cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin. The volatility is insane on some of those cryptocurrencies. You know what I mean? Like Bitcoin goes up and down thousands of dollars in, in one day, for example. Yeah, but it didn't always. It used to be almost valueless. And in a lot of ways, I think these top shots are kind of in the same boat as the beginning of uh, Bitcoin. Bitcoin. They're only potentially going to go up unless this particular platform completely implodes. Um, but I don't yeah. see that happening because it's got too many big players, in, no pun intended, involved in it. Right. What's interesting, like comparing it to something like Bitcoin, right, is Bitcoin is truly decentralized. 
uh, entity because nobody owns it. No one corporation can be associated with Bitcoin. Uh, no one player is so attached to its value. In fact, we don't even really know who invented the thing uh, with NBA Top Shot. It's very clear. <laughs> Dapper Labs is the company that owns Top Shot. So it's very centralized. They're using blockchain, yes, but it's not decentralized because uh, while, yes, uh, everybody can have their own ownership of these moments, and the provenance is tracked in terms of who owned it before and what price has it gone for historically. Uh, it's all meaningless outside of the realm of Top Shot. I can't export my moments, take it to any other market like OpenSea, where you can trade all sorts of different NFTs. That's not an option here. You're sort of in the walled garden of NBA Top Shot. But talking with Brian Jackson from the Infotech Research Group about a new type of NFT from the NBA, NBA Top Shot, a digital type of trading card that uh, captures moments that you can spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on. And uh, I'm looking forward to following up on this story in the months to come and even a year from now just to see where we're at with all that. Brian, as always, thanks for joining us. Hey, happy to be here. We're going to talk about Instagram now and specifically Instagram Reels. You might be hearing a lot about TikTok. These are these uh, small videos that you can watch through the TikTok app. It's everything uh, that you can imagine from how-tos to fun dance things. uh, You name it, it's up there. Well, Instagram's got their own version of it. uh, And we wanted to talk a bit about what makes it different. And we've got a great guest on the line. Her name is Rebecca Bowett. She is Miss 604, a digital content producer, don't call her an influencer, uh, but she's been around many years now in the digital space. You can follow her uh, on Twitter and online. Uh, fantastic. Uh, thanks for joining us, Rebecca. Thank you. Thanks so, for having me. Talk about Instagram Reels. Uh, what are they? How do you make them? Yeah, Instagram Reels are little videos that you can post on Instagram, 15 seconds, 30 seconds long. And they're really engaging because they give a unique perspective uh, for the digital content creator or for the business owner. It's quick little views into what they do every day. And it's a little more engaging than just a still photo. 30 seconds, Max? 30 seconds. Uh, Some can go up to 60, but my options right now are 15 or 30 seconds. Okay. You haven't earned 60 yet. I have not, no. (laughs) (laughs) So, so the, this whole conversation started because Rebecca and I were talking about how crazy the views are on some of our reels. And even people that don't have a large following are getting crazy numbers on their videos that they're posting. Is that because there's not a lot of people using it yet? No, I think it's a lot of people using it. And I think just a lot of people are looking for content. So they're constantly scrolling and looking at stuff. But I posted one last night and within 20 minutes, I had over a thousand views. Well, you are a popular guy, John. I'm not that popular on Instagram, though. <laughs> but so what makes it different or, you know, what's what's better or, or worse about it than TikTok, for example? Well, right now it's all about the algorithms. So Instagram and Facebook, Facebook owns Instagram. So they kind of have the same algorithm working where they're not putting chronological content in front of users. It's all about what they deem fit, where you get certain brownie points for using their tools. And that's the number one thing is using their built-in tools. So Reels are becoming really popular because it's a somewhat newest feature, a newer feature of Instagram. So they really like it when you use their new features and all their latest tools. You can now do edits and different kind of cuts in Reels. So really likes that. Uh, the time of day that you post. Uh, yesterday was uh, a hot, top, popular day on Instagram. It's this magic kind of algorithm you need to work. But they're definitely 
promoting and giving priority to their latest tools, so to Reels. So if you're publishing a Reel, it will get those views right away more than uh, a post or an Instagram story. So just for some context, Rebecca, you said you were uh, working with some clients of yours that have a fairly small following on Instagram, and they were getting thousands of views on their videos within a really short period of time. Yeah, and it's because it's because mostly uh, when you're using the Instagram tool, when you're using a reel, they're sharing it to their stories or they're sharing it to a post as well. So again, working with that algorithm and Instagram is just putting those videos in front of more people. I have someone who has 50 followers and they have a thousand views on an Instagram reel because of the priority Instagram is giving that content right now. So for a small business, that could be huge. So this would be better for businesses to use, do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's one of those combination things where it's a little bit of work and a little bit of play because you can actually have a lot of fun with it as well because you can integrate, you know, popular music, all the crazy filters and stuff like that, like Rebecca mentioned. So it's it's a fun way of promoting your business or even yourself. We're talking with uh, Rebecca Bowett. She is Miss 604, all about uh, Instagram Reels, kind of a, a TikTok competitor. I think we just uh, whetted people's appetites today, so you'll have to stay t- tuned for some following shows where we dive a- even deeper into it. That's all the time we have left uh, for the app show today. Uh, really want to thank all the listeners for tuning in. Don't forget to hit our website, getconnectedmedia.com. We've got lots of great tech and app content up there. All the latest how-to videos, product reviews, uh, and also our podcasts. Not only here for the app show, but our sister show, Get Connected, as well. Get Connected uh, is an hour-long uh, tech show that airs across Canada Saturdays uh, and Saturday nights in Toronto. I want to thank uh, the entire team that helped put uh, this program together. Of course, you, John, uh, my great uh, co-host and friend, also producer, and uh, also Christina back at the studio, and all the rest of the folks, Barrett, Stephen, uh, Robin, and Nigel, and Paul, and Laura. I'm probably forgetting someone, but uh, it it takes uh, a lot of great folks to help uh, put this uh, all together. Again, getconnectedmedia.com is our website. Lots of great content. And subscribe to our podcasts. Uh, We are pushing those out every week, and there's lots of great uh, tech talk on them. See you again next time. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, Tune in Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.